Our scripture for today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 12, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 17. About that time, King Herod laid violent hands upon some who belonged to the church. He had James, the brother of John, killed with the sword. After he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. When he had seized him, he put him in prison and handed him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending to bring him out to the people after the Passover. While Peter was kept in prison, the church prayed fervently to God for him. The very night before Herod was going to bring him out, Peter, bound with two chains, was sleeping between two soldiers, while guards in front of the door were keeping watch over the prison. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He tapped Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his wrists. The angel said to him, Fasten your belt and put on your sandals. He did so. And then he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. Peter went out and followed him. He did not realize that what was happening with the angel's help was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. After they had passed the first and the second guard, they came before the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went outside and walked along a lane, when suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hands of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many had gathered and were praying. When he knocked at the outer gate, a maid named Rhoda came to answer. On recognizing Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the gate, she ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind, but she insisted that it was so. They said, it is his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the gate, they saw him and were amazed. He motioned to them with his hand, to be silent, and described for them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he added, tell this to James and to the believers. Then he left and went to another place. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Back in my youth ministry days, I took a group of youth from Athens, Georgia, down to Atlantic Station in downtown Atlanta to participate in something called Dialogue in the Dark. Dialogue in the Dark is an experience where people are guided through all kinds of daily places and activities. The grocery store, going on a boat ride, walking on the sidewalk, grabbing a Coke in a diner, and yes, it was Coke because we were in Atlanta, But they are guided through this experience all in total darkness by a guide who is visually impaired. 
After we checked in at the registration desk, we were led into this small room that was about the size of a walk-in closet. The walls were covered with this thick black velvet curtain, and there were these small soft cubes with lights in them lining the perimeter of the room. Our visually impaired guide instructed us to sit on these cubes. The lights in the room dimmed, and the final lights to go out were in the cubes on which we sat. The room became so dark as we prepared for our adventure that I could not see my hand three centimeters from my face. And I began to doubt which way was forward and which way was back and certainly couldn't remember how to get out of the room. Our guide had prepared us for this destabilization and disorientation that we would experience when the lights went out. But even so, it was quite uncomfortable. I felt the parent chaperone who was sitting on the cube next to me quickly stand up and say, I don't think I can do this. And her daughter quickly said, it's okay, mom. I will stay with you. You are safe. And I'm sure they held hands. I was privately grateful when the chaperone sat back down next to me because all I could think was, you cannot leave me here to do this without you. Many of us feel like we are walking in the dark right now in a way that is destabilizing and disorienting. As if a global pandemic were not enough, it happens to be a novel virus about which we know very little. As if the last decade has not been politically dysfunctional enough for our country, it happens to be an election year. As if our racially unjust past were not enough, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and George Floyd were all dead before the end of May 2020. The painful realities of our politics, our racism, and our emotional and spiritual poverty are no longer something that feels far away. They are realities that are now intersecting with our relationships, our jobs, our futures, in a way that we have not experienced before. And in addition to all this, we have our everyday normal lives. We have jobs to do, we have families to care for, we have illness to endure, responsibilities to fulfill. I wonder if we have ever been more collectively hindered than we feel in this moment. Oh Lord, we pray, how are we going to live unhindered? Honestly, I'm much more familiar with Paul and Silas's earth-shaking liberation from prison in Acts 16. You probably know the story too. Paul and Silas are singing through the night in prison when an earthquake literally brings the prison walls to the ground and the guards to their knees. But in today's story, there is no singing. 
There is no earthquake. There is no one even awake to see what happens. Peter lays in his cell waiting to die. He is to be executed following the Passover festival. Herod is sure there's going to be some ploy to break Peter out of prison, and so he quadruples the number of forces guarding Peter. There is truly no way out. Then in the middle of the night, an angel comes to Peter and taps him on the side. Peter's shackles fall away, and the angel tells him to get up and get dressed. I'm pretty sure this is a special ops angel because he leads Peter through these pitch-dark corridors of the prison, and I'm sure it was so dark that Peter could not see which way was up or down, and certainly not the way out. I can't help but imagine that this is how much of the final years of Peter's life must have been, walking in the dark. And I think it was probably the same for the believers praying for him late into the night. Did they pray for a miracle? Did they pray for Peter to die quickly with minimal pain? For Peter and his Christian brothers and sisters, there was nothing else for them to do but pray Oh Lord, how are we going to live unhindered? I've been thinking a lot about this prayer in Peter and the book of Acts. And I think that if we're to be true to the text, we have to ask ourselves not only what living unhindered is, but also what it is not. This, in fact, was what much of the New Testament writers were up to asking themselves what relationship the Jesus movement had within the Jewish religious establishment, within the Roman Empire? It's a question that I think we must ask ourselves today if God is to live in us, unhindered. The first generation of Christians, the real-life people, of Acts and the epistles wrestled as much with what living unhindered did not mean as what it did mean. The early Christians came to learn that they were not in charge. They lived at the mercy of the empire, the religious establishment, and ultimately the work of the Holy Spirit. The early believers were called atheists and traitors because they broke the most important loyalties of the empire and religion, loyalty to the state, loyalty to family and tribe, loyalty to tradition. For these Christ followers, there were no quick fixes or bailouts or easy breaks. They could not count on prosperity or stability. In fact, they came to understand that two of the primary markers of early Christianity were itineracy, moving from place to place for the sake of the gospel and poverty. The early Christians came to learn that life following Jesus was not without change. The religious landscape as they knew it changed completely as it became clear that Jesus' way 
was not going to be a part of mainstream Jewish life. The early Christians learned that they couldn't do it alone. They faced death without each other. They literally depended on one another for survival. Despite the religious and civil climate, the early Christians learned in powerful ways that living unhindered meant without doubt that they did not get to decide who was in and who was out. The Spirit of God was not a very good dinner guest because it violated every ethnic, economic, political, religious barrier of the ancient Near East, touching on, talking about all the things that we find to be off-limits. Moderation, finesse, and efficiency were not qualities possessed by the early Christians. Unlike those bound to the state and religious establishment, the first Christians were not able to look away from the poor, the captive, the sick, those without hope. These were some of the lessons learned by the early Christians. And without these familiar markers of identity and purpose, they indeed walked in the dark relying fully and completely on the Holy Spirit. What concerns me is that these ways of being are some of the primary expressions of Christianity in the West. This is what we expect of our churches, of Christians, of Jesus. We are so deeply formed by these realities that we sometimes don't even realize that they are precisely What hinder the work of the Spirit in our lives? And so we must pray, O Lord, how are we going to live unhindered? In his brilliant book, World Upside Down, C. Kevin Rowe outlines three practices or life patterns of the early Christians that emerged in their time. Rather than conforming to the patterns of their ancient Near Eastern world, the believers were transformed and subsumed into an entirely new way of being that changed everything. It changed their religion, their politics, their economics, their vocation, their values. This is what it meant for the early Christians to confess Jesus is Lord. Their primary loyalty was no longer to family or money or career, but to Christ and Christ alone. Jesus was in charge of their lives. And they abandoned themselves to the work of God in Christ. God's mission became their mission. The shape of Christ's life became the shape of their lives. And they devoted themselves to community, depending on one another, embodying good news, liberation, and healing. In other words, As Christ's presence shaped their identity, their work, and their community, God lived in them unhindered. 
These times are destabilizing and disorienting, but friends, so is the presence of God. And if we are to receive all that God has for us in these days, we must be willing to walk away in the dark. Peter is meant to be a model for us. A forgiven and freed man whose life took on the shape of Christ. Peter, this loudmouth, obnoxious fisherman who walked on water before he was ready and always found a way to say the wrong thing. This clumsy and forward traitor and coward. A man who was not successful or educated. He was not the person that we would have chosen to be the rock on which Jesus would build the church. But to Jesus, he is the perfect fit. The Peter of Acts, the Peter of our story today, is different than the Peter of the Gospels. He's an apostle who is loving and nurturing this fledgling church with tenderness and humility. Peter matures into a bridge builder, cultivating reconciliation, following the Spirit of God to the ends of the known world with the good news. The Peter of Acts is softer and more sensitive to the work of the Spirit, listening more than talking. Jesus is Lord of this Peter's life. Peter becomes a man of visions and dreams, a man vulnerable to the presence and power of God, willing to walk in the dark, relying fully on God for each step, and willing to endure the consequences. Friends, this dark space that we are in is holy ground. And the only way out of it this time is through it. There may not be an earthquake, the barriers may not crumble around us, but Jesus comes to lead us in the dark, tenderly, quietly, powerfully, unhindering us from all the idolatries and barriers and loyalties that are keeping us from life that is really life. Do you remember church, all the dreams we have for our city, for the world. What better place to dream dreams and have visions than in the dark? Can you imagine all Christ could do in us? All the ways that we could be light and hope. Can you imagine what it would be like for us to look up in the weeks and months and years to come and realize that what we once thought only to be visions and dreams have become reality? Brothers and sisters, let us be softer and more open, more willing to risk and to follow let us pray together and live like we need each other. 
And let us boldly trust and believe that as we follow, we will one day look up and see that God has brought our dreams to life. Unhindered, see what love can do 